can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Giants fans, welcome to Big Blue All Year, the podcast that brings you New York football Giants content all year long. Well, your hosts toe tap the line between podcast professionals and a bunch of fanatics talking shit at the end of the bar. Tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year is not brought to you by anyone. Insert sponsor here. And don't forget to follow on Twitter at Big Blue All Year and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Adult content ahead. Because, you know, we're doing it live. All right, Giants fans, it's camp battles. Because for better or for worse, we're at a time where there's actually multiple pieces of news about the Giants on a daily basis. And we think we would be doing a disservice to you all if we didn't focus on all things camp. So tonight, we're going to be breaking down the pivotal camp battles as the team looks to round out the starting roster. And fear not our legions of adoring fans out there. We wouldn't leave you hanging on our positional breakdown. So be on the lookout for our mini episodes as we continue the talk on D-line and, the Q- and our QB group. But first, this week's headlines. So for that, we get into a segment that lets my distinguished partners stick on a topic to talk about or kick it to the next one. So, Baker. Yes? Disciple. Yo. Answer me that age-old playground taunts. Are you kicking it, or are you sticking it? Joe Judge wraps tennis balls to hands of the defensive backs during camp in an attempt to stop penalties. It sounds like Mr. Judge is going back to some high school fundamentals here, boys. Love it, but let's kick it. Can I kick it? Giants second round pick out of Alabama, Xavier McKinney, has suffered a fracture to his left foot and underwent surgery on Wednesday to repair it. Season might not be totally lost, as an ESPN source says, and a return in late November after the Giants week 12 bye is possible if recovery goes well. I'm kicking it. I'm absolutely fucking devastated that Xavier McKinney will not be a part of this defense until at least November this year. Um, you know, it's it's tough because we all were looking so forward to seeing him in Giants blue on the field and making an impact day one. I even had him last uh, uh, last week or the week before as my bold prediction being defensive rookie of the year. That has uh, turned to dust and i'm upset about it the second i read that mckinney was injured on my phone i yelled fuck really loud back to you Mac. thank you disciple next up giants defense takes its second injury blow as david mayo tears his left meniscus however he is scheduled to undergo a procedure today that will trim the meniscus rather than opt for a full repair which will allow him to return in roughly three weeks. Yeah, I'll stick it. Um, I think that this could be – he's trimming it, so, you know, he's only on three weeks. He was slotted or slated to come in as that second middle linebacker. Uh, this is obviously a little step back. Hopefully the recovery time is quick, as we're, uh, we're, we're hearing from the experts. But um, I hope he comes back quick. You know, he's a big contributor last season. I liked what we saw. You know, we re-signed with a two-year deal. Hopefully we get him back soon. Stuck the landing! 
Joe Judge mulls removing Danny Dimes' red non-contact jersey from practice in preparation for being hit during the season. I'm sticking. I love it. Get the boy ready. There's, we're going up against some rabid dogs on defense, and, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for him. So let's toughen the guy up. Put those new muscles to work. And let's see what he's made of. You know, I, I understand an argument where it would be, well, I don't want him to get hurt. But listen, any time any player of any sport steps onto their respective field or ice or what have you, there's always a risk of injury, you know. But I, I think this is a good thing, and I think it's going to really get him ready for the season, especially when you look at just the first four games alone, the defenses that the Giants are going up against. Stuck the landing. David Sills is making a case to be that taller, big-bodied receiver the Giants need, as all reports indicate he continues to shine in training camp. Second-year West Virginia product is just trying to make a believer out of me. You know, I kicked him, I think it was a couple weeks ago on episode two, because I had no idea who he was, and look at him now. But uh, let's kick it. Can I kick it? Safety Earl Thomas was released by the Ravens Sunday after the team said, quote, we have terminated Earl Thomas' contract for personal conduct that adversely affected the Baltimore Ravens, end quote. A.K.A. after an on-field altercation, they decided to move on with a productive player. Should the Giants pursue signing him to fill our new hole at the safety position? I don't want Earl Thomas anywhere near this team. I'm kicking it. Evan Ingram and Lorenzo Carter separated after a heated practice scrum yesterday. Joe Judge has been on the record making it abundantly clear that fighting during practice will not be tolerated. Court is in session, boys. All rise for Joe Judge. Making it clear, no fighting. Let's see what the uh, repercussions are. I'm assuming maybe a couple laps. Maybe, uh, maybe something worse. I don't know. Only time will tell. But let's kick it. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Per Bleacher Report, Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard will not rule out skipping a game in protests. All right, sorry, boys. I had to take this one. Uh, as you all know, this is not a topic I can really be quiet about. So look, guys, it, we're not going to throw out our personal politics on this pod. And transparently, I'm really not sure what perspective four white men can really bring to the conversation. Let's just be honest with it. Uh, but let me say this. There is a racial injustice problem in this country and a deep prejudice that goes to the very fabric of who this nation is, its soul. Now, we've come a long way. There's no doubt about that. But that's just not any reason to pat ourselves on the back when we're talking about battling the evil of what systemic racism is and does. So this is, this is above football. And if Saquon Barkley or Shepard or any member of the New York football giants or any team or anybody feel it is their responsibility to use their platform to advocate for social justice, results on the field aside, as much as that pains me to say it, I will proudly, proudly support them.
Now, a word from our non-sponsors. We at Big Blue All Year are so excited that it's week two of Giants training camp that we're pitching tents. New York's Coleman Outlet in Lake George is so hard on to give you deals that they're open from six to midnight, slinging roomy tents that pop to attention at a moment's notice. Coleman, the unofficial sponsor of the New York Giants 2020 training camp. When competition is stiff, you can trust a Coleman. And now, back to our show. All right, lads, let's discuss camp battles. So just to tee it up, make it easy for everybody, two, two quick things, everyone. So camp battle, let's have a definition here. There are positions that are pretty unquestionably uh, locked in. For example, we're not going to spend time talking about the quarterback position. If there's any reality where Daniel Jones isn't lining up week one and for the rest of the season, uh, that's, that's really not a debate I even want to have. Um, then there might be some others where you could debate, you know, hey, is, is Sterling Shepard the wide receiver one over wide receiver two versus Golden Tate? But the reality is we're all pretty confident that wide receivers one, two, and three are going to be Shepard, Tate, and Darius Slayton. That's not really up for debate. So what are we really talking about? It's going to be the positions on this team where there is no clear-cut starter right now It's a coin flip, and there are multiple possibilities at that given position. So let's quickly run down the offensive side of the ball, see where we're even going to debate, dive into it, see who's going to win, and then we'll flip it to defense, um, if that sounds good for everybody. So offense, QB, we've already discussed it. Daniel Jones locked on. Running back, Barkley is the alpha uh, we could debate, is it Dion or one of these other guys? But really, all that matters, Saquon owns that room. Similarly, wide receiver, it's pretty much a consensus. It's a combo of Sterling, Slate, and Tate. We're going to move on. Similarly, Evan Ingram, unquestioned starter, assuming he can stay healthy. Now we got Caden Smith and Levine Toyolo, as we d- discussed in depth last week, fighting for that tight end two spot, but not really a starting position, so we'll move on. Now, where things get particularly interesting and where we spend a lot of time when we talk to a line is obviously the offensive line. So what is locked in? Really, it's just left guard and right guard. We got Will Hernandez, our third year, second round pick out of UTEP, locking down that left guard spot. Had a great rookie year, uh, had a sort of a bit of a sophomore slump, but was a solid guard, but we didn't draft him to be solid. So this is a big year three for him. And then right guard, Kevin Zeitler, I believe he's 30 years old. He's been consistent, one of the best players on this line and in the offensive line in the NFL over the years. So not really much to talk about there. Now where things get interesting, left tackle, center, and right tackle are all up for grabs. That's right, folks. We're about two weeks away from the home opener, and we have no fucking clue who's going to be three-fifths of our starting offensive line. Hmm. So let's just dig into that and see where the madness ends. Boys, thoughts, comments, concerns, where we want to start? Well, we'll start at left tackle. I think it's got to be Andrew Thomas. I think that's probably the safest out of all of them. I feel like the biggest crapshoot is probably right tackle. And then at center for me, you've got uh, Nick Gates and Spencer Pulley and a bunch of other unproven guys like Shane, the Shane Lemieux and the Kyle Murphys of the world. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Um, that's like that might be the most controversial camp battle in on the whole Giants team. If was that center? Yeah. Like even just going into this offseason, like I had no idea who the hell would be playing center and snapping the ball to Daniel Jones, and that's an important relationship. You know, I mean, I'm a little biased. I used to play center in football, and the relationship I had with the quarterback was always like. You know, it's that camaraderie. That's why we play football, man. That's why we love football. Berger, what's your take on these? Uh, well, if, well, I'll start at left tackle where you're saying Andrew Thomas. I'm thinking it could be Cam Fleming, man. I, Joe Judge is singing his praises in the training camp, man. He's coming out being steady. Uh, he knows him from the days in New England. And he likes what he's been seeing. He's working hard. So I could see a scenario where maybe Cam Fleming has that left tackle job, which I've said before in our previous pod with the offensive line because maybe Andrew Thomas isn't ready for it. And if he's overmatched, even though we drafted If him he's not ready for it, there's a monumental problem with him. Yes, I, I agree mean, with I'm that. I'm upset if he's not the starting left tackle. But if he means – Right tackle is definitely more of a – I didn't even – sorry. What did you say? Saying, it, all that matters is Daniel Jones is standing upright. If Cam Fleming out the gate can, can do that more consistently than Andrew Thomas and we don't have to rush him, then I'm fine with it. I don't really see an issue with it. Um, he can, his confidence will grow. He's so young. I have no, he's a monster. What is he? Six, six, like three thirty. Like he's going to win the job. eventually. I get his licks in. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers to start on Monday night football. I, I wouldn't mind if Cam Fleming took those licks, you know, but then who's, if Cam Fleming's playing left tackle, who the fuck is playing right tackle? That's where I put Andrew Thomas in. And then at center, I, I think it's going to be Nick Gates, man. Even though Joe judge went on to say they're even. You always want to say left tackle because of blindside. But think of all the great edge rushers that line up against the right tackle, like the Khalil Max of the world, like the Bosers, uh, Bosas. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Boser? That's how an old Italian the Bosa would brothers? say. <laughs> Where's Joey Boser? <laughs> <laughs> what do you There's think, Mac? What's your take here? Knows it's old Italian women. Uh, football and Italians, but uh, the, well, okay, hold on. Yeah, let, before we get into center, because I think that's where we can have a, a, a more intellectual conversation, how is it possible that both of you are wrong about the same thing? So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, enlighten us. The, yeah, uh, really. I'm sorry. Let's I mean, see what the fuck we, you got to say. We had a whole pod about the offensive line for you guys to get your takes right, and we're still fucking it up. So, <laughs> Disciple, uh, you said that Andrew Thomas is the safest pick at left tackle. Wrong. I will give it to Berger there, that if we're talking strictly safe, Cam Fleming is the guy. He might not be this guy. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying most consistent safe. I'm saying it's like he's probably going to be the starter. Oh, so you're saying it's a safe bet that he will yes. be the guy. I'm not oh, saying okay. that uh, – no. Right. Putting a rookie at left tackle against the Steelers is a huge risk. I'm not denying okay. that. I'd be a fucking right. idiot to be denying that. What I am saying is he must be in the starting roster somewhere. That's all I'm saying. And I should be left tackle because that's where his experience lies. Well, then let me uh, turn my Sauron's eye to Burger. then. Yeah, you fuck know. you, Burger. Uh, yeah. Yo, bring uh, it, bitch. What do you got? <laughs> I'm just saying that if, if Andrew Thomas was the number four overall pick, I get what you're saying, but Disciple makes a good point. It's not like the right tackle is all of a sudden going to be, you know, some easy position to play based on the way that – 
defensive linemen rotate, but also how many people start in that position anyways, uh, going up against the, the right tackle on the left end of the defensive line. Uh, but also, okay, you can make the argument with Solder still on the team. Do we want to throw him in there? I don't know. You know, we have multiple options between Solder, Fleming, Parrots, and Thomas. But now with him out, I think it's a failure if Thomas is not our starting left tackle. I mean, he was doing it at a high level for two years at Georgia. If we, if he is the guy we envision being there for the future and, and in the long term, trial by fire, baby, get in there. Let's figure it the fuck out because you're going to be starting there next year, anyways. So uh, let's go. Uh, but to tie it together, so it sounds like left tackle, the the camp battle that we're discussing, it's really just Andrew Thomas versus Camp Fleming, right? There's there's nobody that's even in the conversation. All right, I'm making a judgment call then. With all respect to the burger, uh, due to draft capital and position, due to pedigree, due to where we envision him being the future of the offensive line, I'm going to go ahead and slot Andrew Thomas as winning this camp battle. Um, I will say there has been some reports out where he was struggling early. You know, if Lorenzo Carter is making you look like a moron in practice, that's not good. But let's just chalk it up to – Can I just say one thing about that? Disciple, don't ask permission, please. Okay, all right. Well, the thing about Carter versus Thomas is you got to understand, these guys know each other from college. Well, well, well. And they've lined up against each other probably quite a few times. Look who it is. So you like to see that. And people were like, oh, well, if that's the case, either Thomas sucks or Carter's really good. The thing I have to say about that is this is one fucking snap of one fucking drill in one fucking day at training camp. It ain't about that. You know what I mean? He's Again, right. to reiterate myself from last week, we're talking about practice. Not a game, but practice. Alan Iverson, folks, has made it back on the pod. Oh, infamous. We in here Love talking it. about practice. The, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're so stretched for news and content, especially in this year where there's even more limitations on what you can see at practice and camp that people take a microscope to every single headline that is put out there. Uh, so, okay. You know, I'll, I'll take my lickings. That's, that's totally fair. Um, so judgment call, we're locking in Andrew Thomas. Sorry, Berger. Cam Fleming is our runner up in that camp battle. We shall see tomorrow. Uh, this is being recorded on the 27th. We got a big scrimmage tomorrow. So uh, there could be a lot of updates here coming in shortly. Uh, so left guard, we got locked in at Will Hernandez. Let's dig into the center. Cause I think, you really could make an argument for anybody that you want to be there, especially not being able to see these guys up close in front and not having a preseason. There's just really not a lot to go on other than what these reports out of camp are. So uh, I know you both are high on Nick Gates. I think Spencer Pulley is the most realistic option. I think there's at least a little bit of optimism. I know we were all banging the drum for Shane Lemieux uh, fifth round pick out of Oregon when we talked offensive line. Do we still feel like Shane Lemieux has a chance to take it? Is who's who's uh, your favorite, boys? Can I, uh, I'm going to jump in. Yeah, on this I'm one. going. Oh. oh no, you go, you go, Burger. You go. Ooh, sorry, I beat that. I want I want to respond to you. So you okay. go first. Yeah, I was going to jump in there. <laughs> so uh, yes, so Giants offensive line coach Mark Colombo, the infamous Mark Colombo, the uh, ACDC was it uh, Mark Colombo? What is uh, Black Sabbath? Metallica? God, I'm not even close. Jesus Christ, Burger. <laughs> Get so your went, fucking rock and roll straight, man. Excellent. <laughs> so he went on to, be, uh, to say, Nick's done a tremendous job. He's never played the position before. 
but he's the alpha male that you wanted the position. He owns it. So I love hearing that. You know, I he's like what six five? Like that's massive for a center. Usually centers are like guards. I feel like, and for him to be able to just own it. Uh, Joe Judge went on to say they're scratchy even between him and Pulley. Uh, there's only like two more weeks left of training camp. So there really isn't much time to decide who the starting center is going to be. So this is, I think, probably the most exciting race of our camp battles right now. What do you think, Disciple? Yeah, you know, I have to agree with you as much as I'd hate to. I love Nick Gates. Uh, I loved him last year, too, honestly. And there were some times where, you know, you, you wanted him to be in the lineup even when he was just filling in, but it's like, you know, he said uh, that I'm a guard at heart. That's what he said. He's like, I'm an interior offensive lineman. I've always been a guard. But it just sucks that the most solidified positions on the line are guards. So I really think that, you know, he learns to snap. He learns to call out the defenses, do the center's job. And if Mark Colombo's banging his drum, you know what? I'm all for it, man. You know. But he's on the flip side of that. Pulley has the NFL experience, and Nick Gates has the ability to play. I, I would say now they're saying all five positions on the offensive line, which is crazy. He's, what, 25 years old, undrafted out of Nebraska? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, where the fuck did we find this guy? Jesus, love it. That's unbelievable. That's like – that's earning a Corsi level. If this guy becomes – if this guy becomes – an actual starter, like solid, even solid star. Doesn't have to be a Pro Bowl. Doesn't have to be anything. But mod on, I mean, ah, that's that's a good look for Dave Gettleman, dude. If he turns out to be Kevin Zeiler, who doesn't have a Pro Bowl, like that's awesome. Wait, Zeiler doesn't have a Pro Bowl? That's bullshit. Look it up. He has never been Sean, earned a Pro Bowl. Sean, give us that shit. I really hope that you need to be exercised. I'm yeah, that's un- that's unbelievable. No way, Kevin Zeller was never Pro Bowl. Both of you, because I'm right. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's let's tie it back in to uh, Nick Gates because I want to roast you both. I do. Uh, similarly, how we were all optimistic about Shane Lemieux, and again, I don't want to be. It's just not practical. Having a fifth round guard. It's more just the idea that if we are hinging the optimism of our offensive line on making a fifth round rookie our starting center, that just, again, spoke to how dire the straits we were in. Now, it would be a lovely story, and and it's not impossible, but I think now as things are getting closer, we have realized that that's at best something to look for in the future. In the meantime, hopefully he's a solid depth option. Spencer Pulley does not excite anybody. I had really been beating the drum for him, just given the experience. He's been there and done that, albeit not flashy, but he is, he's proven himself in the NFL. He's a guy who can play at this competition, and you have to at least be, you know, uh, I guess okay with somebody who's been there, done that. But the more you guys talk about Nick Gates, and God, I hate to get myself thinking this way because – I just get always optimistic when I start thinking about the Giants. But does the name David Deal ring a bell to anybody? I mean, we're talking about a guy that was an undrafted player that really didn't have any experience playing the positions. He ended up playing for the Giants for 10 years. Like, my man is a Super Bowl champion. That's why I said Ernie Acorsi for the record. That's a pro. Yeah, 2000. It was his last draft, if I recall. 
Um, and I, I'm a, I, oh, I remember, uh, it was 2003, and I, I'll I'll exercise myself. So Shaman, back the fuck off. Uh, he actually was a fifth round pick in the 2003 draft. So uh, the Shane Lemieux comparisons are there, but more on the Nick Gates side of things, you know, sort of an unheralded guy. Um, I we let it was. Um, now I am going to get exercise. Our left tackle, it wasn't Rich Seibert. It was... Marie McKenzie? Mm, no, it was, it, he was playing right tackle. It was, our, it was our left tackle, but we let him go. God damn, it, it's really upset. Uh, Will, Lou Pettigrew. Oh, that's Lou Pettigrew. Wow, that's a name let drop. Him go, and people were like, what the hell is going on? Who's going to play left tackle? And all of a sudden... David Deal was playing left tackle, and the man played it well. I mean, he played all across the offensive line, uh, was a guy that we, we re-signed, kept in-house, and really paid dividends for about 10 years. So, uh, you know, I, I again, I want to roast you guys, but you have to think that they see something that we haven't yet to see with Nick Gates. And if he can win the center battle and also provide depth along the offensive line, this man could be around for a long time and that's got to get you excited i mean he's and he's huge he's huge and we want to be a run mauling team um that's what you gotta like so nick gates let's pencil it in we're moving on right tackle cam fleming nick gates so two guys we've already talked about and then 99th overall third round pick out of yukon matt Pertz is also actually today i believe Someone check me on this, but I think he got first team reps in practice today, if I'm not oh. mistaken. Wow. I'm going to say it probably should be Cam Fleming at right tackle, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put Parrot in <clears throat> and then kept Cam Fleming on the bench in case Thomas or Parrot got hurt. But it's also a huge liability if you're st- – Starting two rookie tackles. I mean, that could be ugly. So I'm going to go with, I like the veteran presence. I like the uh, familiarity that Fleming has with Colombo and uh, Garrett. And I'm going to say Cam Fleming will be the starting right tackle, in my opinion. Berg? I believe you're going to be correct as well with that take. It's all signs will point to Cam Fleming in this instance because Andrew Thomas, as we've said, is left tackle now, not Cam Fleming. Carol. And I knock on a door and I say, Carol. (laughs) I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Am I right? There is no Carol in HR. It would be nice to see Matt Parrott come out and take this job at a training camp. I don't think that's really realistic because I think he's still a little raw. Uh, but they said he came in with, like, he came in uh, the camp fantastic shape. He's athletic as fuck. Like, he's got the makeup after maybe a year of sitting on the bench to take this job, which is exciting. So I'll, I'll, I'll agree with Disciple. We'll go Camp Fleming. We'll have someone experienced on the right side. Or we'll have a very experienced right side with Zeitler and Fleming uh, protecting DJ. So I'll, I'll support that. What about you, Max? So hot right now. So there is the reality that I want to live in or really the fantasy I want to live in. And then the reality of the situation and the business side of football as well. So interestingly enough, guys, I'm, I'm actually looking at the ESPN official or I guess unofficial until the Giants post it. But the depth chart actually has Matt Parrott as our starting right tackle penciled in. Uh, interestingly enough. Shut the fuck up. Uh, now, I know it's, it's ridiculous. Now, if we were playing Madden, 
And we were assuming that this season eh, most likely isn't going to be ending in a Super Bowl if we're being objective about it. I say, fuck it, get Matt Parrott in there. You can't, you can't buy experience. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Um, the a sixteen game schedule of Matt Parrott jumping in at right tackle. Who knows? Could be dicey for Daniel Jones' development early on, while Parrott sort of gets accustomed to the speed of the NFL after playing in the American Conference. But I think for the long-term development, if we see him as our right tackle of the future, it makes a lot of sense to get him some burn. That said, general managers and coaches aren't sitting there looking three years down the line. Part of their job is, but they're also paid to win football games. If we're penciling in Nick Gates as the center, so let's take him out of the right tackle rotation – I don't think there's really an argument that you can make that day one, September 14th against the Steelers, that Cam Fleming doesn't bring more to the immediate impact on the football field at right tackle that Matt Parrott does. Now, who knows? Maybe the man's a savant and he steps in and just takes the the position by storm. But I think in a realistic world, we're looking at Cam Fleming winning out. Paired, though, playing a sizable role as that swing tackle and looking to take the position next year. Let's just note that if Matt Paired did win the job, we would have four players on this offensive line who are under 25 years old. That has to be probably the youngest offensive line in the league, which is a scary thought for a very young offense. And a new coach and a new offensive coordinator. And that being said, you could also have the right guard of the future in Lemieux and, on the roster already. So in your in next year, it could be five players under 25. Well, what's Zeitler's contract, right? He's probably he's, got another he's up after two years. Year. I think he's up after this year. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. I think he's got two more years, but I think we can cut him next year with minimal debt. I wouldn't even want – if he does great this year, there's no reason to cut him at all. So no, I would extend him. I would extend him. Look I don't know about the- extending him. Wow, that's a hot that take right there. No, low back. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Years and extend him. I well, yo, that, I you're approaching the- Andrew Whitworth territory at that point. That 33, 34 years old. Andrew Whitworth is like 38. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he sorry. Is very old. I, I, I exaggerated a little. Shaman, check on that for us. He's still one of the top five or top ten left tackles, a position that requires more athleticism than right guard. And That's he's true. Here- that was the whole thing. Honestly, People the Giants should have signed him back in yes, 2015. Yes, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation for a totally different day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we right. could talk the, the issues of Jerry Reese. Absolutely. I think we should uh, digress into the defensive camp battles. What do you boys think? There's plenty of Given, them. I, I think you're right because we, we do have quite a few things to get through. So, Okay. The recap on the offensive side of the ball, really, all of the skill positions are locked in. We're talking, we were talking offensive line and our final offensive line. If we are to divine uh, the final depth chart after these camp battles, Andrew Thomas is winning that battle at left tackle. Will Hernandez, Nick Gates is taking the center position. Kevin Zeitler at right guard, and Cam Fleming, the experienced, not that old veteran, locking in the right tackle with Matt Parrott hopefully playing a significant role in the offensive line. So moving on to defense, we start our base 
setup is a three four so that is three down defensive linemen you can argue if they're defensive ends or defensive tackles all night long uh we got four linebackers that's two inside linebackers two outside linebackers that again you could argue are they outside linebackers or they're pseudo edge players and then you got your two corners and your two safeties so the rundown dexter lawrence sexy dexy Dalvin, big man Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams, the uh, very polarized figure on the defensive line, are locking in our three down linemen spots. We got some solid depth, depth, excuse me, uh, but there's really no question that those are our three starters. Now, at one of the middle linebacker spots, we have uh, Blake Martinez, the big free agent pickup from the Green Bay Packers, excuse me, this year, uh, will be locked in at that middle linebacker. But much of our debate is going to be about the crapshoot that is the rest of our linebacker position. Uh, and when we broke them down, that was much of the debate. Do we have a lot of bodies now? There's a lot of investment in the position, but is there any talent? Uh, so we got our outside linebacker, uh, our, our will and our strong, and as well as our second middle linebacker position. Those are all going to have to be up for debate. Um, then we have Jabril Peppers locking in that strong safety, as well as James Bradbury locking in our other cornerback. After that, guys, your guess is as good as mine. Our second quarterback is, is absolutely up for debate. There's a ton of names um, to be thrown and discussed there. Um, our slot corner, well, I think we have an early front runner. That's still a debate, I would say. And certainly with the unfortunate news as it relates to McKinney, um, our free safety is no longer locked in as well. So I know I've just been talking at you guys for quite a while, throwing about a bunch of names and positions. So let's break it down more specifically. Let's jump into our linebackers. Can we just tackle our outside linebackers as one take here? Um, so we have a bunch of names. Marcus Golden, re-signed. Kyle Fackrell, also coming over from the Packers. We have O'Shane Zimenez, third-round pick last year, first-ever player dra uh, drafted out of Old Dominion. Then we got Lorenzo Carter, the aforementioned Georgia Bulldog. And according to ESPN, which I would debate this in and of itself, but for the case, uh, we also have Carter Coughlin, uh, the seventh-rounder out of Minnesota, I believe, up for mm -hmm. debate. Is there any combination of these people that makes us feel okay about the linebackers? Truthfully, no. But I'd like to go with the youth in Carter and Simenez and rotate in guys like Fackrell, Golden, and uh, Carter Coughlin. I think it should be mainly Carter and Simenez. What do you think, Berger? I, I think it's Marcus Golden's job to lose after putting up a, a career season last year. You know, it's, uh, what was it, 10 or 12 sacks last season? Like, you know. Uh, what are the odds that he repeats that? Well, just off production, and, you know, if he's if he's still at the speed from last season, I think he's only 29. I think it's his job to lose, or at least one of them. But I agree. I, I would like to see one of the rookies, um, either Carter or uh, Zimenez, take the other one. I, I think Fackrell will just be a rotational guy. Uh, I know you guys love that name. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he was always a situational pass rusher, but, but he had ten and a half sacks in Green Bay know. two years ago. Like that's crazy. Like it just depends how Joe Judge and uh, Patrick Graham uses this defense and how they rotate them. 
But uh, everything, yeah, the, buzz about, out of, the buzz out of camp is, is Lorenzo Carter is finally turning it up to that, that third-round like hype that we took him with, with that first-round potential. Uh, he's starting to finally flash and put it all together. So that's a scary thought if, you know, Lorenzo Carter could maybe is – is it crazy to think he could turn into maybe what, – what kind of player comparison are you guys thinking here? Like, I don't want to go Cleo Mack because that's absurd, but like a notch below yeah. that. Um, God, drawing blanks. How about like a – I don't know. He's interesting when you see him play. Like a I'm Corey really Littleton, sure how maybe. To describe you know what game. I mean? Like he can play. He's a, like he can play coverage. Mm. Um, he can get to the quarterback. He's like if long, he doesn't have a knack for the ball like uh, Littleton does, but I, like so. I'll give you a pessimistic player comp. Uh, a a Giants draft pick. Lorenzo Carter is looking to be uh, Devin Kennard. Is what he's looking to be. He's the poor man's Devin Kennard right wow. now. Well, or a rich man. Well, no, if he, about he's been at, he played like it. If he can be better than Devin Kennard, I, I like that. That's a good, good player choice. Devin Kennard. This, this is the year he has to show us that he's not a guy who is bound to be a rotational athletic linebacker, and he's meant to be the guy. So um, I, I'm struggling to think of a player comp off the top of my head, but I think to your point, uh, Berger. I mean, it's. Lorenzo Carter should be one of the starting out, uh, outside linebackers for us. Whether or not that ends up being the case, we shall see. But I think he has to be penciled in as one of those two starters. Where the other side gets interesting, you mentioned the names. Um, let's just get it out of the way right now. I don't think as much as an amazing story as it would be for Carter Coughlin, I like seeing the talent that we got from the Gophers. He got a great stat line over the last few years. But for a seventh-round draft pick to step in as our starter, again, I think other than an amazing story, uh, speaks to how uh, much of an issue talent is in our linebacking core. But Mm. two things you mentioned. Marcus Golden did have 10 sacks last year, and I'm pretty sure he was the first linebacker for the Giants to have 10 sacks since, like, LT maybe. now Yeah, I believe that's a stat, yeah. And that's a bit well, they also amazing. haven't been in the three four though. Right, exactly, exactly. There, there's a little bit of, of make the stats tell the story you, you want to tell there. Yeah. Most, you know, we weren't asking our linebackers to get stats, but still, that's not a number that it, you know goes unnoticed. So then, for you don't luck into double digit sacks in the NFL, people. You know, it, that's just not something that happens. So for a guy like Kyle Fackrell, again, I don't think he's an exciting player. Um, the I, I think he's going to play a role for us. I hope he is sort of a NASCAR um, situation where he's coming down. We need some extra pass rushers on the field. He is a pretty big dude, so maybe be able to set the edge. But I don't think he's someone that we want starting. But the, the point I'm saying is that he's sort of talked about pessimistically because he's not a name. But to your point, Berger, the dude had double-digit sacks with our coach being his positional coach two years ago. That doesn't happen by accident. So we got two guys on the other side that have a knack for getting the quarterback, but I really want it to be O'Shane Zimez. Again, oh, yeah. maybe letting my Madden bias sneak in here, but we got a young guy. We got a positional group that has a lot of snaps up for grabs, and he showed us something in a limited set. I think he got four and a half sacks last year playing a very, very situational Yeah, he didn't even play that much at all. Uh, No. So, um, for me, I I would love it to be Lorenzo Carter and Oshin. I think it would be Yeah, but obviously, for the record, I do want uh, Simenez to – 
Yeah, uh, a good amount of majority of the snaps, but you know what? You're a realist, Mac, and uh, I appreciate it. So perhaps we should move on to middle linebacker two after Mr. Blake Martinez and the fact that uh, Mr. David Mayo is no longer with us for another month. So, the, well, the original non panty dropper himself, right? <laughs> decide- <laughs> That's right, episode one. The uh, the OG, uh, the OPD, but uh, the I think it, it sucks that David Mayo's hurt. You don't like to see injuries. Uh, personally, having an MCL surgery myself not too long ago, uh, albeit not as a professional athlete, it, it sucks. And if he's able to come back that early, I mean, kudos to him. But um, I, I guess point being, David Mayo probably was going to be that starter, but I don't think he was a guy any of us were excited about. We just – I appreciate you, Disciple, being a realist. He's a solid player that does his job and has limitations as a pass coverage linebacker, but is effective against the run. Him being out sucks, but I don't think it's the biggest loss. Is there anybody we behind him? near the, the loss of McKinney, in my opinion. Just oh, because just because we're so hyped to see him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Huge pick, second round. Anyway, we'll digress. Uh, so you got Ryan Connolly behind him who's also coming off a of major surgery last year. You got Devontae Downs. And now, honestly, a hot name in camp these days is uh, Tay Crowder, also out of University of Georgia. I, oh, I'm The who, buzz in camp is Ryan Connolly hasn't been practicing much in the last couple of weeks because he's still banged up. So now that David Mayo is down, I could see <laughs> in a crazy scenario that Devontae Downs the they picked him up off waivers from the Vikings after he went undrafted last season, and he is apparently uh, dazzling Joe Judge. Yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, he does everything. How high my like uh, <laughs> Yeah, yo, he doesn't go. He's about it. He's like Joe Judge. Like loves because it. you he told me like, to drill, Sergeant. <laughs> but yo, he's like he's making a name for himself, just like another player at cornerback. We'll talk about later. Uh, out of Albany, you guys know what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I think in a, in a crazy world, if Mayo isn't back by week one and Connolly isn't fully back off that ACL tear, that it could be Devontae down starting next to Blake Martinez in the middle. Wow. That's a hot take. It's crazy how the injury bug has hit this team. The whole, Just the defense is – In one day. And, and obviously one you have, day, we lost, our fucking we lost two safety starters in one day. Well, speaking I mean, of yeah. safety, I think uh, – what are we thinking of free safety then? Now the McKinney's gone. Illuminating. I, I, for me, it's not even a debate. It's I know we have some other names. Do we, uh, tell me if you guys want to even crack into this, but I think it's it's Julian Love and a discussion, right? Yeah, it's got to be. I don't see how uh, Nate Ebner and Sean Chandler could beat him out after he was posting great player ratings at the end of the season and doing his job very effectively. I mean, Nate Ebner's like 30-plus. He's a special teamer. Has he ever, like, actually – do any of you guys know, has he played meaningful snaps as a, like, a player? Absolutely no idea. If I say something, I'll probably get roasted by Shaman. So, uh – You didn't take the bait. Impressed. Well, you have, you have McCourty and <laughs> well, Patrick uh, Chung in New England. I don't think he's ever seen the field. That's a fair point, yeah. That is a very fair point, but – To be honest, I really wanted Julian Love to compete outside corner. I thought he really could excel, but you know what? Honestly, having a guy that can play both is really, really great. You got to love it. I'm excited. I like what you saw out of Julian Love last year, so 
Yeah, he's he's he's. I will pencil him in as starting free safety. Now, slot corner. So, disciple, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I am also similarly going to say let's let's choose our name and move on because as much as I would love, I made my point a few weeks ago when we talked about the secondary. Grant Haley is really the only other name in the competition right now for that slot quarterback position, unless you want to talk the safety sort of coming down and playing that role a little bit. And I do think that there is an angle where you could say that a Patriots model defense has the ability to highlight a player's uh, strengths, which is run defense. Anybody who's ever watched a game, it can tell that Grant Haley knows how to tackle, but on the flip side, the man can't cover a garbage can like he's dog shit at the oh, job damn. he's being paid to do at an NFL <laughs> level so if Grant Haley is walking in as our, our slot corner we have serious issues I am going Darnay Holmes we have all been high on this guy both on the personal and professional level as well as the, what he brings to a football field uh, everything from camp has been great. He had that diving interception. He's had oh, a couple other beautiful. plays although Andrew Thomas on a hustle play did force a fumble on that return but I digress. Uh, Take I think a lap. Holmes, fourth round pick out of UCLA, is going to be our day one slot corner and play a but, huge role in this defense. How do you know that he's not even he's not in the competition for CB two? Why not him? Why can't I be the MVP of the league? He never even played slot corner at UCLA, so everybody's penciling him in at slot corner. I think he could play both, to be honest, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on the outside a couple times uh, against the Steelers. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if you see him elsewhere besides there. Now that goes into CB2. Now this is where it's a real clusterfuck. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's a gaggle. It was supposed of to be money. fucking DeAndre Baker. <laughs> Let's oh, not go or, there. Or Sam Beal, for all them, or for that matters, you know. Yeah, well, that's different. We lost one A and one B like that. that. It should have been. But now, now we're getting we're getting deep into this uh, cornerback. This is where you'd like, uh, uh, you know, you'd like a guy like Logan Ryan, perhaps. Yeah, that way we can switch William Love to the outside. If he's willing to take a one or two year deal, I'm all about it. But if it's if he's looking to get paid for the next three years, I I don't give a shit who. Yeah, is. Nah. I don't want to take any. I would agree with that. So let's see what we got here. We got Ballantyne. We got the U Albany Great Dane, Ruru, Jaron Williams. UA. You know. You know. Yeah, boy. Okay. And you got this uh, Ask you Henry kid out of the XFL who's very intriguing to me. I have to say, I do like him. Isn't he like Darrell Revis's cousin or something? Yeah. Is that that guy? Yeah, it, I, it is. I, it is him, right? Yeah. Yo, why the fuck not? Let's get him. Let's get him in here, man. I want to see what he can do. You know, there's a lot of exciting young names. I don't know how many people, how many players on this team are actually going to become impact players, but you just kind of like the. Uh, what am I looking for? Just so many names and anything's possible. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these kids could be duds. Some of them can be studs. Who knows? Which is the whole reason for this camp battle debate, right? I feel like every year there's these guys we get super excited about. There's always these camp stars. There's people who we get attached to with their names and then they end up not even being in the league. 
So <laughs> let's let's be realistic in the sense that yeah, th- there's always those exceptions, right? You know, there's always those Victor Cruises that happen. But the reality is, you're drafted at your position for a reason. And do things fall through the cracks? Yes, of course. There's, a, you know, Russell Wilson is going to be a Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, you know, uh, is the most obvious example. But on average, the statistics point to the higher you're drafted, the more successful your NFL career is going to be. And right now, our quarterback to dumpster bin is we're looking at a six-round pick in Corey Ballantyne that struggled, who played in a D2 school uh, last year. And although I got to love the Great Dane respects for a bunch of jabronis on this pod that are you all many grads, but... Jaron Williams is an undrafted rookie coming from the University of Albany. From FCS. Playing Richmond and New Hampshire. Dear God. Like, again, wouldn't it be an amazing story? And, and sometimes all you need is your break, right? Uh, his, his own coach was talking about, hey, I never had any doubt that this guy could run. I think I was reading an article on Big Blue View where he's like, the guy's got the physicals. Like, he can run with those athletes. I think he needs time with an NFL coaching uh, program to develop his technique. So you never know. I mean, these these athletes uh, easily can, can once they have that opportunity, take hold and, and make a name for themselves. But the fact that we are counting on the likes of Ballantyne, Jaron Williams, or this Draymond Eskew-Henry uh, family pedigree aside, he was playing in the XFL for a reason – um, that just, again, speaks to the absolute um, dire straits that our secondary finds itself in. Now, at least we're talking about young guys. I mean, uh, Askew Henry's 24, he's six foot, 200 pounds. I mean, he's got, he's got some size to him. So um, this really reminds me a couple of years ago, the Saints had a secondary, I think it was the year that they had the worst defense in like NFL history. I, so I, I don't want to put those demons out there, <laughs> but this dude, it was a Spagnola year. They just had injuries all over the place and were starting absolute no names. But some of those guys that got burned that year stayed around and were the depth in a year or two when their team ended up being one of the best defenses in the NFL. So if we're looking about silver linings, worst case scenario, um, maybe we're, we're looking at what the future depth of this program is going to look like once we actually get a legitimate starter. So we've been doing a lot of talking. Do you guys have a front runner then for CB2 or is it a complete crapshoot? It's a crapshoot. But I'll put my money on Jaron Williams. I, I like the Albany underdog. You know what I mean? Wow. Woo. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go Ballantyne, honestly. They put him, you know, James Betcher put him in the slot last year. He's not a slot guy. He never was. He did not look good in the slot. You saw it. I saw it. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. And, uh, you know, I have to think that Ballantyne will improve if he's on the outside. And, I, I, you know, I'm going to pencil him in at CB2. Back to you, Mac. Disciple, I'm with you. Uh, got, I got a hope for the kid. I think he was miscast in the slot. I won't spend much time on it. We talked a lot about it in our secondary pod, but he's an athletic kid. He's a track star. He had a, a, a tragic circumstances and was a, a late-round rookie. I don't think anybody should have expected huge things out of him last year, and he was still able to get on the field, um, albeit in a, in 
a position where we didn't play to his strengths. So in a year where we need somebody to step up, why not be optimistic about a project and a good story? Who's got some athleticism, but uh, that said, I, I would, it would mean something special in my hearts. If burgers take was correct with a little Jared Williams. So um, of course guys, special teams. Do we even want to debate it? It's Graham Gano and Riley Dixon. Uh, sure. Punt returners, we could debate, you know, is going to be Corey Coleman, Golden Tage, or Bill Peppers, but Riley Dixon, Graham Gano, that's really all we need to know about special teams, right? I agree. Yeah, and I was, we'll just say one thing about training camp. Graham Gano is kicking ass. He's barely missed. I don't think he's even missed his field goals in any of the uh, stimulated games or scrimmages or anything. Dude, ball's popping. He's uh, nailing it. He's looking like he's back to, uh, <clears throat> you know, his form in, uh, what was that, 2017, 2018? He was good on Carolina, man. He's always been a solid kicker. Yeah, I'm talking about the time when he when he destroyed our dreams. Well, yeah, that, that, it was like a historic feel. Yeah, let's, yeah, I don't let's even not even bring that there. up. I didn't even like, <laughs> yeah. know why we were talking about it. All right, sorry. Well, hey, oh, a little, little plug for Madden 2020 uh, or 2021, whatever it is. Did my first fantasy draft last night, and Graham Gano, I can report, has a 99-rated kick power. So if that Beautiful. means anything, we're looking good. We can go on record Graham saying your team is ass, by the way. I drafted the shit out of you. <laughs> History proves otherwise. I dominate you in Madden drafting. We are absolutely – that's an entirely different podcast uh, in itself. So, but we digress. <laughs> All right, guys, we got a little bit carried away. So you're going to have to hold on to your shorts with a little four down territory and huge predictions for next week. We'll come back and we'll bring it to you. If you haven't figured it out by now, folks, we're possessed by the spirits that reside at 1925 Giants Drive. But hey, even they make mistakes, so let's exercise tonight's demons with the shaman. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. You gonna bring the demons out of me? You guys are bozos if you don't think you're gonna get roasted one way or another. Disciple out here saying, "Oh, I'm not gonna say something. Else. I don't want to get roasted." Mac, I, I can't believe you got you just disrespect this man. The na- the man who drafted the f- the name bearer of my future son, Eli Derek Jeter Shaman. Ernie Corsi retired in early 2007. His last draft was 2006. Key key player in one of that in that draft, Matthias Kimanuka. All in all, you guys are getting better. Proud of you. Keep it up. All right, all you dreamers and creamers. Thanks for joining us, Giants Jagaloons, for tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year. Please like and review us on Spotify and Apple Pods. For Burger, the Disciple, and the Shaman, I'm Mac. We're Big Blue All Year. Good night. Put up your keystone light right now. Kick it real shit. I like this in my school because I love you, Sunni. What? I go to Sunni. And I fucking love it I'm a great pain I go insane and get drunk in public I wear my purple and rock my gold Dial in circle, I smoke my bowl Out of class of three, happy hour five